Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. How's everyone doing? It's Sound of Football back with another episode, concluding week 14. Been a great week of football, great year of football. We got three more weeks until playoffs. I'm really excited to see how things unfold. Teams are starting to clinch divisions, clinch playoff berths. It's getting really exciting. I know a lot of things are going to come down to the wire, so we'll just have to wait and see. But for now, we're going to get into this recap. So the first game I want to talk about is the Chiefs-Dolphins game. The Chiefs won 33-27. Patrick Mahomes went 24 for 34 with 393 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks, two of which were in the first half. I know they were tipped, but still, I couldn't. I don't think he ever has, but three interceptions on Pat Mahomes' stat line, not what we're used to seeing. He also took he also took a 30-yard sack, and he kind of joked about it after the game. He tweeted about it, which is kind of funny. Travis Kelsey is on a dominant stretch right now. He's been amazing all year. He has eight catches for 136 yards and a touchdown in this game. Tyreek Hill also doing great this year. He had three catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. He also had a 32-yard rushing touchdown. And the defense had four sacks and a interception. Tua, on the other hand, he didn't have a bad game. I mean, against the Chiefs, keeping it that close. I mean, the defense got three picks, but still, it's not a bad game for him. He went 28 for 48. It's all right. 316 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. This tight end has been emerging as an elite tight end in the last couple of weeks, and much of that has to do with the quick chemistry that Tua and him have developed. Mike Gesicki, he's been an animal lately. He had five catches for 65 yards and two touchdowns. Just like Travis Kelsey, he's been just hot. He's just been real hot recently. The defense totaled three sacks, 2.5 of which came from Jerome Baker. They also had the three interceptions, and they still remain in the third wild card spot. But again, Chiefs take the win, 33-27. Next game, this one hurts. No pun intended, I didn't even think about that, but this one, it hurt my heart a little bit. Eagles win 24-21 to against the Saints. This was Jalen Hurts' first start, highly anticipated by a lot of Eagles fans who are getting fed up with Carson Wentz. Passing-wise, I don't think he had the greatest game. He went 17-30 for 30 with 167 yards and a touchdown, but it was really the, the rushing that did it for him. He had 18 carries for 106 yards now. No team really had any kind of tape on him, so it's kind of hard to game plan on somebody you've never seen play before. But Jalen Hurts with a read option, this opened a lot of opportunity for Miles Sanders. He had 14 carries for 115 yards and two touchdowns. One one of those touchdowns came on an 82-yard run. The Saints' defense had not allowed an 100-yard rusher in 56 games. That's a seat, That's three and a half seasons worth of football without an 100-yard rusher allowed. And unfortunately, that was broken by two different people in the same game, Hurts and Sanders. It was just, again, not having tape didn't help, but I'll, I'll get to why I thought why the Saints lost. The Eagles defense had a crucial fumble recovery in crunch time. They also had an interception. Like I said, it was Jalen Hurts' first win, and, and suddenly they're back in the race for the NFC East. So we'll see how that pans out. But on the flip side, we have Taysom Hill, who I can't stand at quarterback. Went 28 for 38 with 291 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Like, those aren't even bad stats, but if you watch him play, if his first progression isn't there, like his first read is not there, he panics and doesn't know what to do, and then he tries to do too much, and that's when he fumbles. On the play where he fumbled, 
Javon Hargrave got the strip. Michael Thomas was wide open, but since he rolled out to his right, he was looking on the receiver for the receivers on the right side. But right over the middle, I mean, we needed like two yards. Michael Thomas had like an easy five-yard catch with maybe like ten yards after catch uh, potentially. But Taysom Hill again, I just don't. I wish I saw Jameis Winston during this time that Breeze has been out. But I really, I really, really hope that Sean Payne doesn't actually think that Taysom Hill is a future franchise quarterback because uh, that'll be really hard to watch as a Saints fan. Again, I talked about the Eagles recovering a crucial fumble. Taysom Hill's the one who lost a crucial fumble. He's just trying to do too much. Alvin Kamara, 11 carries for 50 yards. He also had a touchdown. Alvin Kamara's been kind of limited with Taysom Hill in there. He's getting carries taken away. He's not been involved in the pass game as much, and it's really disappointing to see because for anyone that's seen Alvin Kamara play prior to Breeze's injury, I mean, he was going off. He was having an amazing year, offensive player of the year type deal thing going on. But unfortunately, Taysom Hill has kind of stripped some of his value away. But it's not like he's not the same player. He's still the same player. It's just not as many opportunities. Michael Thomas had eight catches for 84 yards. It's all right. He hasn't, still hasn't caught a touchdown since his return. But in the grand scheme of things, this loss cost the Saints the number one seed. And now they are the number two seed and do not are not in a position to get a first-round bye. And then the last game, which many people are calling game of the year, was the Ravens-Browns game. It was a great game. It it was it was good in the first half, but it just heated up so well in the second half. The Browns start marching in the fourth quarter, put up 22 in the fourth quarter, but let's get to some of these stats. So Lamar Jackson went 11 for 17 with 162 yards and a touchdown. Everyone thought he was pulling a Paul Pierce, which was really, really funny, but he was cramping. But when Trace McSorley came down, or went down, and Trace McSorley came in while Lamar Jackson was cramping just to tear his ACL. Prayers for your recovery, Trace McSorley. Sorry that happened. But he comes in and he leads this uh, game tying drive, or I'm pretty sure it was a game tying drive. It, it was just re- no, no, no. I don't think it was a game tying drive. I'm not really sure. I wasn't. I didn't catch the last couple minutes of the game. But Lamar Jackson, he also had nine carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins, he had 13 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. I like J.K. Dobbins. I think he's going to be their future running back once Mark Ingram's gone. He always he, he, he was great in college, so I know he's going to be good. When he's gotten the ball a lot, he's shown a lot of potential. Gus Edwards went 7 for 49 with two touchdowns. He's been their primary goal back. Marquise Brown, he had two catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. One of his catches was a 44-yard touchdown. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield went 28 for 47 with 343 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. This was kind of like a Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb kind of showing. Nick Chubb went 17 for 82, had two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, 6 for 33 and a touchdown. Baker actually also had five carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. But Kareem Hunt was actually the leading receiver on the day. He had six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. But this was just, it was just a crazy game. It was back. It was back, again, it was eh in the first half. It was 21-14 uh, for the Ravens in the first half. And then the Ravens took a two-score game after the third quarter. And then, like I said, next, you know, the Browns are putting 22 up in the last quarter. And unfortunately, the Ravens had just enough time to get down the field and kick a field goal with probably the most reliable kicker in the NFL, Justin Tucker. And he secured them the win. And then it's weird because it was a five-point game. I'm pretty sure the Ravens got a safety somehow, but I didn't see it. But that's that's why it ended up being a five-point differential. But that, I think it was definitely a game of the year. I still don't think Lamar Jackson's a great passer, but he did, he did what he needed to do 
to get them on like on that Marquise Brown touchdown after he was done cramping, and then to get him down the field for Justin Tucker to hit that field goal, you can't deny that. It's a good game for him. And, you know, not a really a horrible game for Baker either. I mean, the Ravens defense, they're good. They're really, really good. So that's not a bad game for him. So that's it for the recap. That is it for the recap. So let's get into the next part of this podcast. And it's new this week. It's called Taking Notes. So one notable thing that happened that made me realize some things. Jonathan Taylor is good when he gets the football. Now, that might seem like an obvious statement. A lot of people know that. But for some reason, the Colts are so set on giving Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines the football for for whatever reason. And I'm not saying they're not talented. But Jonathan Taylor, remember, he was like one, one of the best college running backs like in history, if I'm not mistaken, at Wisconsin. He was one of the best. In this game against the Raiders, he had 20 carries for 150 yards and two touchdowns. He also had two catches for 15 yards. Now, you could say, oh, well, the Raiders' defense sucks. He should be exploiting them like that. Well, obviously, but he still gashed them for 150 rushing yards on only 20 carries. Like, that's great. That's really great. And again, he added the two touchdowns. I've been, because I've had him in fantasy all year, I've been seeing people in chats and stuff saying, like, Man, like, Frank Reich doesn't know how to work his running backs out. Like, there's no reason. Like, tell me why Naeem Hines has been getting the bulk of the carries within the 10-yard line. There's no reason. I mean, again, Taylor had two touchdowns this week. One was a 5-yard score, but the other one was a 60-plus-yard score. So, it was a long touchdown. But other than that, he doesn't really get a lot of goal-line carries. And it's really disappointing because I think out, out of the three, he's definitely the most physical. Easily. I think he's the best all-around back on that roster. But the thing is, is like his pass-catching ability, that's probably why they have Naeem Hines in there most of the time. It's because Naeem Hines is a great pass-catcher. But Jonathan Taylor is also a great pass-catcher. And that alone makes him a three-down back. Now, maybe concerns over his workhorse usage at Wisconsin and uh, making him an immediate workhorse in the NFL. Maybe there were concerns over if he'd get tired, if he'd sustain an injury anything of that sort, but again, when he's gotten the touches, when he's gotten the bulk of the touches, he's shown why he's, he can be an elite running back. I think going forward, especially after this game, there's no reason Jonathan Taylor shouldn't be getting at least 20 carries in game. I know it's a little late for fantasy owners who might have had him, didn't make the playoffs, and now he's going off, so it's kind of unfortunate, but a good game for him. I think, uh, I don't know if this is really a hot take or not, but I think in, in the stretch of things, he's going to be the best running back from this class. Now you could say, well, there's James Robinson who's doing really well. There's C.E.H., there's J.K. Dobbins. There's a lot of guys, but I think in the end that Jonathan Taylor will be the best all-around running back from this draft class. Other notable thing that happened, and it's been happening, Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. But the thing is, it's not close. Now, well, let's just talk about his previous game. He had 26 carries for 215 yards and two touchdowns last week. It's crazy because no matter who Derrick Henry plays, he typically runs them over. Now, in the season, he has 297 carries for 1,532 yards. He has four touchdowns. But the fact that he has a 5.2 average, that's crazy. Pretty much every two runs, he's getting a first down. Now, his versatility lacks. He's not a great pass catcher, 
but it's just his pure running capabilities that, that make him the best. We haven't seen, I mean, realistically, the last time we saw just a big bulldozer who was kind of fast, could break off the long runs, that was kind of, it's very Marshawn Lynch-esque. I mean, Derrick Henry is a lot bigger, but Marshawn Lynch was a big body himself. But that's kind of who I see in him. I see Derrick Henry as like this new era Marshawn Lynch. Like, like for a big man, for as big as he is, he runs fast. He's very agile. And at the same time, he'll run you over. So really, I mean, what more can you ask for? Now, a lot of people could say, well, Dalvin Cook has been the best this year. But again, he gets injured. So I really don't, he, he just gets injured too much. So I don't really consider him the best. You could say Chris McCaffrey, which is totally fine, but he's been, he's been hurt all year. I, I think after last year, he was the best, but he's been hurt all year this year. And he does have that insane pass catching ability. So you can't really take that away from him. That there's like, that's like a little bit of a difference between him and Henry is that McCaffrey is still a really, really good runner. He's one of the better runners. But it's just that pass catching and crunch time. Like, if the Italians are falling behind, they might not have a Henry in there. Whereas McCaffrey's always in there. Same with Alvin Kamara. But when you just look at pure running back, like, just best runner, I mean, Derrick Henry has an unlock. I don't think anyone is nearly as good at, uh, nearly as good as him. I love Alvin Kamara, but he's not a great runner. He's a good runner. He just doesn't get a lot of touches. Chris McCaffrey's a great runner. But he's, yeah. If you ask who's a better runner, Derrick Henry or Chris McCaffrey, the majority of people are going to say Derrick Henry. And Dalvin Cooks, uh, Dalvin Cook or Nick Chubb are probably the behind him for the best pure runners in the league. And I would personally put Chubb then Cook. But I think that, I personally think that Derrick Henry is in a world of his own. And it starts to show in December. He always goes off in December. I don't know what it is, but December is his, like, his, his month. So, uh... For the rest of the month, I'm going to continue to look. I mean, oh my god, he plays Detroit, I believe, next. And he plays Green Bay, who both have awful run defenses. So, I mean, it's if he has three games left, I mean, oh, it would be really, really tough. But he would have to average, like, a hundred and over 160 yards per game for the next three games. If he does that, then he honestly could hit 2,000 rushing yards. That would be insane. That would be insane. I don't think he will, but that would be crazy. Those are just some notes that I took this past week. You could say they're obvious, but I just wanted to put it out there. Now, playoff push. What scenarios can almost guarantee playoffs for certain teams? So, the Colts. The Colts, I think, have been kind of an... They're 9-4. and four. They're 9-4. and four. They're tied with the Titans, but I believe the Titans have the tiebreaker. But they've kind of been an under-the-radar team. Like, you know, they got Phillip Rivers, not really elite anymore. But, you know, but they've been getting, they've had a recently really hot on the offense. Like, you know, you know, like I said, Jonathan Taylor's been good. Uh, just that whole running back committee's been great. You got Michael Pittman, who's emerging as a really good rookie receiver. You got T.Y. Hilton, who just came back from the dead. You know, you got some decent options at tight end. Jack Doyle, Trey Burton. There's just a lot of things that go on there. And, and then on top of that, they have a really, really good defense. Like, top three in the league, if, if I'm not mistaken, are very, very close. They currently hold the second wild card spot behind the Browns. Now, both the Browns and the Colts are both 9-4, but the Browns hold the tiebreaker because they want head-to-head. The Colts are a game ahead of the Dolphins and the Ravens. Now, if the Ravens and the Colts were to end up with the same record, the Colts would not make it because I believe the Ravens have the head-to-head. So let's look at the Colts' remaining schedule. So they got the Texans. 
I can see that as an easy win. Deshaun Jackson might might think different. Or Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Watson might think differently. He might, you know, he might put up some numbers in that game. But it's hard to do. He, he's missing a couple of receivers. Uh, free Deshaun Watson, that poor guy. So much talent going to get wasted in Houston, unfortunately. Then they have the Steelers. Potential upset. And the Steelers are, you know, they lost their last two. So we'll see what happens with that. And then the Jags, I think that's an easy win. Those are the last three games. If they win two out of the three, then they end up 11-5. and five. I think that definitely guarantees them a playoff spot. They definitely don't need to win out. Well, they might have to, depending on what the Ravens do. But again, I think that if the Colts were to win at least two out of these three games and the Ravens lose one game, I think that that pretty much guarantees them a playoff spot. And then the second team I have is the Cardinals. They're currently seven and six, the third wild card spot right now. The Vikings behind at six and seven with a win against the Giants this week and a Vikings loss to the Bucks. That was the difference maker. And now the Cardinals are in the playoffs again, third wild card spot. So the next three games to the Cardinals are the Eagles, 49ers, and Rams. I think the Rams are tough. I don't see them winning that game earlier in the year when I was talking about the Rams or not the Rams, uh, Cardinals. I said that. I was talking about the Cardinals schedule, and I said that they would not win either game to the Rams. I still don't think they will. I think the Rams are very, very good. I think the other two matchups are manageable. Now, here's the only problem. I could definitely see an upset by the Eagles this week. Again, there's not a ton of film on Jalen Hurts, so that could be an issue. Hassan Reddick this past week, by the way, want to shout him out. Temple University, baby, let's go. 13th overall pick. 13th or 14th. Uh, plays for the Cardinals. He just set a franchise record. He had five sacks in one game. He brought his total from five to ten on the year. Amazing game from him. I love seeing it. Represent to you, baby. Let's go. So let's look. Let, yeah. So again, they face the Rams. I think that the Eagles and 49ers are in both manageable matchups. They could easily lose them, but I think they, for the most part, they're manageable. The only, the only team that's really, that's real, that's really threatening the Cardinals is the Vikings. And again, they're. They're one game out. I don't think the Vikings have the easiest schedule coming up. I believe they, yeah, they, the Vikings play the Bears and the Saints and the Lions. I think they drop it. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I hope that they lose to the Saints, but I think that they lose to the Bears and, you know, they could even get set, upset by the Lions, but I think they take one or two, one or two out of those three games. I think a win for the Cardinals and a loss for the Viking, uh, Vikings, it doesn't, Cert, like for sure seal it but I think it pretty much seals it that Vikings will make the playoffs but again we'll see after we'll have to see how it unfolds so that's it for that on to the keeper debate so I kind of was thinking you know people might struggle with decisions for keepers they might have a couple good guys like oh who do I keep so I put some scenarios up so the first one I have is Brandon Ayuk or Chase Claypool now let me tell you their stats on the air so Brandon Ayuk has 61 rushing yards, he has two touchdowns, he has 50 catches for 660 yards and four touchdowns. He's a clear number one receiver in San Fran. I think that Debo Samuel's a close second, but I think overall, like, receiving-wise, I think, I mean, Debo's a pretty good gadget guy, but I think Brandon Ayuk's a legitimate wide receiver one. Now, Kittle's been out for most of the season, so that could be an increased role for, that could be why he's had such a big role in the offense, but... With him developing connections all over the board, I think that he's going to be, I think he's going to flourish in San Fran, or at least I hope he does. But 
In the last four games, he's had a twelve. He's had twelve point two targets per game, and that gives him a thirty percent target share, which is crazy. He's been pretty steady all season, and he has his big play capabilities. And the the big thing here is he's been doing this mainly with Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Now, if the 49ers were to turn around and get an elite quarterback, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer, and I don't think Nick Mullins is <laughs> the answer as well. But if he turns around and gets an elite receiver, I think Brandon Ayuk could, could end up being a top receiver in the NFL, personally. Now, Claypool, again, He's he's been great this year. He has two rushing touchdowns, fifty catches. They both have the same amount of catches. And Claypool only has four more yards. He has six hundred sixty-four yards, and he has those eight receiving touchdowns. Now he's been playing with Big Ben all year. Big Ben's you know one of the best quarterbacks, and not maybe not this year, but he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the league for a while. Um, but uh, Claypool's on kind of this slew of bad games. He's recent struggles against good defenses. Now, the thing with the Steelers is that they have a lot of options in in Pittsburgh. They got James Washington, who doesn't get a ton of catches, but he's still an option. They have Eric Ebron, who they have now at tight end. He, he's a good, he's a decent pass catcher. They have Juju, who hasn't been great, but he still gets a lot of catches. They have Deontay Johnson, who I believe has emerged as their true number one receiver, I think. He might not be the greatest number one receiver, but I think he's a very, very good receiver. In the end, I think that both options are good, but personally, I'm taking Brandon Ayuk. And I say this because I think that this is, for touchdown-wise, for Chase Claypool, this is obviously, I think this is a peak year or close to it. You know, he has 10 touchdowns in 13 games this year. I don't think he'll get that again next year. You know, he could. He very well could. But I just think that with less options in San Francisco and Brandon Ayuk emerging as this really good route runner, he's got good hands, and like I said, he's got that big play capability, and I'm not saying Claypool doesn't have any of that, but I just think, I mean, it's a little bit of a spicier option to take Ayuk because Chase Claypool has kind of like cemented himself as one of the better rookies already, and Brandon Ayuk's flying under the radar, but I think the higher potential option here is Brandon Ayuk, but pers- and personally... I'm taking Brandon Ayuk. Next one. T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb. So, T. Higgins, he's already developed a great connection with Joe Burrow. He has forty. He had 40 catches for 502 yards and four touchdowns with Burrow. A.J. Green, he's probably likely to leave, so that would make Higgins the clear number one, if not the, you know, a high-string number two with Tyler Boyd there. But I think in the end that, that Higgins will probably be the number one. I've liked Higgins since he came out of college. Now, Lamb, Lamb has a lot more potential, 100%. But it's not guaranteed Dak will stay. He most likely will, but it's not 100% guaranteed. Mark Cooper isn't going anywhere. Zeke Elliott isn't going anywhere. I don't think Michael Gallup's a free agent, or he might be. I don't know, but they still have a lot of options on offense. Without Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb has kind of been subpar, but that's not really entirely his fault. He's had to deal with... You know, I'm not saying Andy Dolan's a bad backup. He's a very good backup, but he's not, you know, he's not doing what Dak did. He's also had to deal with Ben DiNucci. With Dak Prescott in four games, he had 21 catches for 309 yards and two touchdowns in four games. In the end, who am I taking? I think that the higher potential option here is 100% C.D. Lamb, but in the end, I'm going to take T. Higgins. My reasoning is because just because of that, that connection that Higgins and Burrow already have. And... You know, like I said, A.J. Green's been in that offense. You know, he was in... And A.J. Green's a very good receiver. His age might be showing it this year. He hasn't definitely has not been himself this year. However, if A.J. Green leaves, I think that 
that just uh, and T Higgins was having a good year. He was having a really good year. But with AJ Green out the door, that just opens up so much room for potential with T Higgins. I think again, I think while while Lamb is probably the better receiver, I just think that the scenarios that surround T Higgins is a lot better. I think that there will be less options in Cincinnati if they beef up that online. You know, you got you got a decent running game there. I just think there's a lot of concern because, again, I think Dak is going to stay. I, I don't see him leaving. I think that Jerry Jones will take care of him like he's a son or something. It's weird. But, I don't know. I just think that T. Higgins is a little bit of a more, I think he's a safer option, personally. So that's it for that. And then my last one, Antonio Gibson or James Robinson? So James Robinson, he went from undrafted free agent to a star-studded running back in his rookie year. He has 224 carries for 1,035 yards, 7 touchdowns. He also has 46 catches for 326 yards and 2 touchdowns. The thing with the Jags, I think this offense is only going to get better. They'll probably get more receivers, better quarterback play. That'll boost his value more. Now, Gibson has been phenomenal this year. I've had him, and I think he's been great. He had a, he has 141 carries for 659 yards and 11 and 11 rushing touchdowns, and he also has 233 receiving yards on 32 catches. And, and most of this has been done in an RB committee with JD McKissick and Payne Barber. He's typically gotten the bulk of the carries, but you do have guys who mix in that take a, a little bit away from him. I think that he's a great option. I think he has potential to be an elite RB two. I, I think he's going to be great. I do think that the Washington's offense, because it's not a great offense, I think that that kind of limits his potential, unfortunately. I think Antonio Gibson's a great a great option if you have him. But if it comes down to James Robinson or Antonio Gibson, I think that you don't overthink this and you go with James Robinson 100% of the way. Last but not least, we got our game picks for week 15. So, my lock, my lock for this week, no pun intended, Bills over Broncos. Not only is this my lock, but I think it's going to be the blowout of the week. I think Bills win 34-2-9. Briefly mentioned it earlier, but I see the, I think the Eagles, I mean, they just upset the Saints. I definitely think they could upset the Cardinals. There's barely any film on Hurts, like I said. It makes the offense a little more dangerous and the defense more confused and on their toes. I'm going to take the Eagles over the Cardinals. I'm going to say... 22 to 17 and then the game of the week i believe is going to be the saints versus chiefs god i'd love if the saints won but i don't think they will i'm t- i'm gonna say the chiefs win 31 to 27 in this game unfortunately unfortunately i'm hope I- i'm not sure if breeze will be back or not but i guess we'll see that's it for this episode guys i really hope you guys have enjoyed it's been a fun time I'm I'm getting really really antsy for the playoffs. I think it's gonna be a great year of playoffs. We got this expanded playoffs. We got seven teams now. Again, I it's a lot of things happening this year. A lot of wild scenarios. A lot of things that we didn't see happening. And you guys following my podcast, it just makes me enjoy football even more. I love the support. You know, make sure to go follow the Twitter down to like the number two down to football tu Temple University. Show love, comment on uh, posts, like posts, retweet, do anything you can, appreciate it. And I just have one last question for you guys. Are you down to football?